7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 3 p.m. in London, in Kyoto it's 11 p.m., and in Malaysia it's 1962. I'm Jay Sheldon and I'm not wearing pants. Hello, hello, welcome in everybody. Nice to have you along for the ride tonight. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch.tv. Luna, hello, welcome. Hey, good to see you. All right, Luna, hi. Uh, our number one no-pants weirdo. Number one. <laughs> She's here every time. And we love you to death. Thank you. If you're listening in on the podcast, a welcome to all of our podcast listeners. We are uh, a podcast audio only across whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. Spotify, Google, Apple, you name it, we're there. And uh, the numbers are doing very well. Thank you for your downloads. Thank you for your listens and your likes and your favorites. We really appreciate that. And um, if you would like to see the video version of our show, other than joining us Monday, Wednesday, Saturdays live, you can also uh, watch on rumble.com. You sign up for a free account there, no cost to you. Just give them your email and create an account. And then go to jsheldonnopants at rumble.com. You'll find the video version of our show. We post this about a half an hour or so after we are live Monday, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. We are still trying desperately to get live on Rumble in addition to Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. However, RHB Bank has decided to be as ridiculously uncooperative as they have been for the past week. And, uh, have decided that uh, they just don't want to talk to me, a loyal, nearly 20-year customer. I don't put a whole lot of money through there because I don't have a whole lot, but what I do have goes into that bank. And it is disgusting the way they treat their customers. I've called them out on Facebook, sent them emails, sent them phone calls, sent them messages, nothing. And it's been a week. And you suck. Finally got your figure problem solved. Really? If they made NSR figures, you'd buy them all. <laughs> I'll bet you would. Uh, yeah, I've been a customer of that bank for about as long as you've been alive, believe it or not. I'm that old. <laughs> oh, man. Unbelievable. It's, uh, yeah. In fact, look, we have a picture. Here's the RHB call center. Can you see that? Let me move it over there so you can see it. There you go. There's the, uh, the RHB uh, bank <laughs> call center. If you're uh, listening to the podcast, I'll describe it to you. It is a computer desk in some sort of call center office covered in cobwebs. Because that's... Uh, that's apparently pretty much what the RHB customer service call center looks like these days. There's just nobody there. Have you seen the new Matrix promo, by the way? 
Your family uses Wells Fargo. I wish they had Wells Fargo here. I think they do, but it's not a bank. Um, yeah, the new uh, promo for the new Matrix is out. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, you need to check it out. You get to pick between a red pill and a blue pill. It's customized, and it is very, very cool. It's thechoiceisyours.whatisthematrix.com. Check that out. This is my actual Facebook page, by the way. Look at this. This is a lantern festival in front of Mount Fuji at the lake. Isn't that beautiful? Fantastic. Wow. Oh, have you seen this? I don't know, because everybody... Um, uh, no, it's it's a sequel. It's another new uh, Matrix film, a sequel, not a reboot. Um, this has been going around for the last few days on Facebook. You choose your first solo profile picture and your last solo profile picture, and then post them side by side to compare how you've grown. So I put down, you'll see here, this is my first uh solo profile picture and this is my last solo profile picture. <laughs> uh yeah anyway i'm thinking two things obviously this whole thing is just data mining and if you actually put your pictures up there but not only that but what you're doing and i gotta put my tinfoil hat on for this is you are allowing the ais to better interpret how faces mature as they get older. So you'll be helping out the old facial recognition programming for when they want to, you know, check your credit score and identify you on the streets and things like that. Yes, my tinfoil is, hat is, is well in place. Invis Toby, oh my! Invis Toby, you've missed so many. I uh, caught some. Work hasn't allowed me to come watch them all. Ah, oh, man, sorry about that. That sucks. But we're glad you are with us tonight. We're glad you caught at least a part of this one. Thank you very much. Uh, doing great. Doing very well. Everybody here is fantastic. And uh, moving on up and forward. And, yeah, forward into the past. <laughs> oh, my Let's see, uh, I'm just checking all my technical stuff here because I don't have a producer, so I ha I'm producing myself. Uh, you never saw The Matrix. You mean any versions of The Matrix? The first one, the second one? If you haven't, you need to. I mean, I assume this would be a good standalone. It would work in and of itself, but if you see the first two, it will give you nice background. You should. They are fantastic, fantastic films. Really, really good stuff. Is she out there? And by she, I mean Miko. Miko update. <laughs> Miko update. I tried every trick in the book tonight to get this little girl to come on the show. I got treats. See this? I got Miko treats. This is her favorite high-value treat. She will do anything for this treat. And then I went outside just before the stream started. Took a little break, get some fresh air. She followed me outside because when she knows I have these, she will follow me anywhere. 
And then she goes down by our front gate in the driveway, and there's a little frog just on the other side of the gate. She can't quite reach it. And she has been obsessing. She's still down there now, trying to dig underneath the gate. I mean, it's a tarred driveway, so she can't dig, but she's trying to get at this frog. And she is still down there to this very second. I thought I was going to be able to get her on the show. But she's still down there obsessing over this bloody little baby frog. God knows if she actually got it. She'd probably eat it. But um, there is little, including her favorite treats, that will uh, dissuade her from attacking this frog. So... She's doing well. As I told you last stream, we weighed her a few days ago. She's at 10.7 kilos, which she's so heavy. She's not fat. She doesn't look fat. And she is going through right now what uh, in the Shiba Inu uh, franchise they call a blow. And literally, it looks like a snowstorm. We vacuum the house almost every day now and pull up what must, you know, I look at her and I think, why aren't you bald? There is so much fur that falls off of her. And, you know, you pet her and it just, it snows. It's insane. So anyway, we're going to move ahead with our topics tonight. And if she remembers that she has some of her favorite treats here in the studio, she will probably pop by, in which case we'll take a break and we'll get her on the stream for a uh, Miko update. Part du. <laughs> oh, man. One of our headlines tonight was that people are waking up. And um, this is a cool story. I don't know if it's true or not, but I know that it's a cool story. Hold on. Let me just move this back over here. Here we go. This is from uh, Pepper Romo. Uh, he did not write this. I don't know if Pepper's a guy or a girl, but... Uh, People are waking up. When I was a high school sophomore decades ago, my world history teacher was Mrs. Holloway, but we called her Granny Holloway. She was a slight woman, scarcely five, uh, scarcely five feet tall, seemingly fragile, but full of vim and vinegar. You know the type. She could speak for hours about the fall of the Roman Empire, the Inquisition, the Industrial Revolution and World Wars. She never sat while she lectured, never stood at a lectern, but moved around the room making eye contact with all of her students. She was demanding too. I can't remember how many papers were sent back to me because she would note, quote, you can do better than this, Ms. Schall. Oh, okay, so I guess Pepper is a, a woman. One day during class, an office aide interrupted her lecture and handed her a note. She read it silently, apologized, and said she needed to leave the room. We knew it had to be important because Granny Holloway stopped lectures for no one. We sat in the room, talked to one another, and then the door opened and in walked Mrs. Abels, another teacher in our high school. She explained to us that Granny had been faced with an emergency a serious one, and it was doubtful she would be returning to finish out the semester. We were all stunned. Would we get the chance to say goodbye? Would we, would we get updates so we'd know she was okay? 
Well, Mrs. Abels assured us that she, we didn't need to worry, that Granny was safe, but she needed time away. And the best thing we could do for her and the best way we could show her our devotion was to be cooperative with her replacement. Mrs. Abels confirmed she'd been asked and had agreed to step in as Granny's replacement. Cheer up, she told us. This could be a good thing. Other teachers still believed in endless homework and projects with deadlines and hard work. She would not bring that into our class. Mrs. Abels believed in clean slates. If there were grades we didn't like, she could give us a chance to bring them up. She asked us what suggestions we had to make the semester a better learning experience. She asked us how we felt about an end-of-semester party. Yeah, sounded good to us, and on and on, Mrs. Abels intently listened and agreed to all of our suggestions, continuously emphasizing that her concern was that we have a good learning experience and enjoy the semester. She also reminded us how lucky we were not to be sent to other classes where they'd be working to catch up, and that, of course, all this was for Granny. And near the end of the period, shortly before the bell rang, the door opened, and Granny sauntered in with her usual Granny Holloway attitude. How'd they do, she asked. Marvelous, said Mrs. Abels. They were completely in my hands. Granny then faced us and said, and that, my students, is how a dictator takes over a nation, not with guns, tanks or laws or mandates. They do it using a poster child and promises and gifts and protection from the enemy. I can't remember a lesson all through 12 years of public school that made such an impression on me and has stayed with me. We are among wolves in sheep's clothing. Many are being deceived with a false light. Stay awake. Buckle up. The wolves in sheep's clothing. Wow. A valuable lesson. Coffee break time. Hey, you want a mug? See Miko? This is Miko mug. This is our show logo. It's a nice big 15-ounce mug, too. You can get that. You can get T-shirts, hats, stickers, mouse pads. Go to twitch.tv slash jsheldonnopants and check out the merch page. Pretty inexpensive stuff there. It's kind of cool. Check it out. You can order. I've ordered this stuff. And, uh, okay, I didn't pay full price. I paid cost because it's my site. But they're pretty reasonably priced. want to check them out. Are you married? Have you been married? Did you have a wedding ceremony? Did it cost you a bomb? Here in Malaysia, we likely hold some of the world records for ridiculously stupid, insane, overpriced BS weddings. And the thing is, and it's apparently universal, I wouldn't know, but apparently if you get an invite to a wedding, I know here in Malaysia it's true, you are expected to show up. 
And if you don't show up, you're still expected to give them some sort of a gift. Or around here, we call it a red packet. Sometimes a green packet, if you know what I mean. But um, this caught my eye. It's from Upworthy, scoop.upworthy.com. Tip of the hat to those folks. And uh, they had a wedding. Let me show you the, the article here. They had a wedding. Actually, you can't see the whole article, so let me do a little live adjusting here. There we go. Uh, newlyweds create a $240 invoice for wedding guests that didn't show up. We have to hold each other accountable. It's, the groom says, it's about accountability. It's about being considerate explaining why he made the uh, mock invoice. There's actually a picture of the invoice for 240 USD. I assume that's USD. Doug and Deidre Simmon tied the knot August 18th. They were expecting a total of 109 people at their destination wedding. Uh, Negril, Jamaica. However, when the big day finally came, eight of their invited guests were nowhere to be found. Since they'd given everyone on the guest list plenty of time to change their RSVPs, the newlyweds wondered why their no-shows couldn't have given them a heads-up before the event. People might be unable to make it, which is fine. But then when we got to the actual final headcount, we had 109 people total, and we asked everyone, will you be able to make it? And everyone said yes. Four times, he says, from November to August, they asked if they would be in attendance. Every time, everybody said yes. And if at any time anybody was unable to attend, they would have truly understood. He said it was a destination wedding. They'd paid for all their guests a month in advance and had already forked over the money for the wasted eight meals. However, it wasn't the financial loss that peeved them the most. We're all on WhatsApp, and none of us got a call or a text from anyone letting them know they wouldn't make it. So this smartass whips up a fake $240 invoice, charging them for the meal they didn't consume. Okay, I'll give them that. If you weren't going to make it, you had plenty of notice. You pro if you already RSVP'd yes, and then you couldn't make it, you should have let them know. But things happen. And like I said, my biggest beef is that here in this country, if you get an invitation, in fact, in Chinese culture, if I'm not mistaken, it's called the red bomb. Because when you get one, you're locked. You're done. Even if you have no intention of showing up at the wedding, you are under this unwritten law obligation that you have got to do something. You've got to send them some money or send them a gift. Usually it's money. But that's why they call those, those red envelope wedding invitation the red bomb because that's exactly what it is. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think my wedding ceremony was better. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is Miko down there? Yeah. Miko, you want a cookie? I'm really trying to get her on the show tonight, if I can. 
Miko, cookie time. We'll see whether or not she remembers what the cookies smell like. Miko, I got your cookie. Ooh, I hear footsteps on the stairs. This could be good. Miko, look what I got. <laughs> She's here. Hey, come here. Come here. She's so excited. Come here. Come on. You want one? Oh, how good is that, huh? I got another one. Trust me, this is what it takes to get her to do anything. Want one more? Come. 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 Yes, good girl. Good girl. Come on, I got another one. Come over here. Everybody wants to say hi. What? <laughs> you hear her? Come here. Oh, get over here. Can you speak? Speak? Speak. Speak. Louder. Big one. Speak. Ah, there you go. Good girl. Come on. Come here. Good girl. Good girl. Come here, you monster. Come here, you monster. She's just absolutely refusing. Are you going to keep doing that? Huh? Now you're in trouble. Now you're in trouble. Come on. Let's go. Hey, it's dead air, pal. You got about two minutes to get in here. Hey, I got one. You want one? Come here. Come over here. Come here. Come here. Come here. That's good. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Buddy, I gotcha. Ha <laughs> ha. So there. You thought you could get away, didn't you? There you go. <laughs> All right. Oh my God. This is what 10.7 kilos looks like. You hear her breathing? She's so out of breath. Where'd your cookie go? I got it. I got it. Oh, yeah. Nice, huh? Nice. Let's move that mic. There we go. Oh, I know. You weigh a ton, dog. You are a beast. Can you say hi to everybody out there? Can you say hi? Say hi. Say, say hi. Hi. Why are you breathing so hard? Did you catch the frog? Did you catch the frog? All right, crazy girl. You ready to go? At least we got her on the show. Are you ready? You'd be good, okay? All right, bud. There you go. Oh. See what I mean about the hair? It's everywhere. <laughs> that was it. I don't have any more. I'm sorry. You're all done. You're all done. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Good girl. And now I'm covered in hair and dog goo. <sighs> you know, I couldn't get you in here before. Now you won't leave. <laughs> All right. Let me get back into position here. <laughs> oh, it is impossible with her. Okay. Uh, I have a description of rednecks for you coming up. <laughs> Thank you, Miko. Next time. Stop fighting me. Okay, uh, Jeff Foxworthy, worthy. if you don't remember, he is a comedian from a long time ago. And um, 
he used to do a, a thing called You Might Be a Redneck. Uh, very funny routine from this uh, stand-up comedian, uh, Jeff Foxworthy. Got a lot of fans around, but uh, forget about rednecks, folks. Uh, Jeff actually has <laughs> come out with something near and dear to my heart. And um, <laughs> this is uh, this hits home because I am a New Englander. I was born and raised in Connecticut, which is the southernmost part of what's called New England. It's the northeast foot, or sort of foot, that goes up above New York, uh, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, or Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire. And uh, <laughs> that is, those states are known as New England. Um, it's some of the first places that people landed from England. A lot of towns there are called after towns. In, in fact, my hometown is Cornwall, Connecticut, which is named, if I'm not mistaken, after Cornwall in England. But some of these will really hit home. And I know I've got a lot of listeners on my podcast and viewers on my, uh, my videos on, on Rumble from uh, my home state back in Connecticut. So if someone at a Home Depot store offers you assistance and they don't work there, you live in New England. These are actually really nice because, you know, it's exactly true about life in New England. You want to know what it is like to live in New England? This says it all. Uh, if you've worn shorts and a parka at the same time, you live in New England. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. If you have a lengthy telephone conversation with someone who dialed a wrong number, you likely are a New Englander. Vacation means going anywhere south of New York City for the weekend. You live in New England. If you measure distances in hours, not miles, you're a New Englander. And you know how true is that? I always used to say I live, my hometown Cornwall is two hours from New York City and two hours from Boston, Mass, which is measuring distance in hours. Um <laughs> If you know several people who've hit a deer more than once, you're a New Englander. <laughs> if you've switched from heat to AC in the same day and back again, you live in New England. Boy, ain't that the truth. If you can drive 75 miles an hour through two feet of snow in a raging blizzard and not flinch, you are a born and bred New Englander. If you carry jumper cables in your car and your wife knows how to use them, you're from New England. If you design your kid's Halloween costume to fit over a snowsuit, you live in New England. <laughs> if you know all four seasons, <laughs> almost winter, winter, still winter, and road construction. You live in <laughs> New England. <laughs> and finally, if there's a Dunkin' Donuts on every corner, you live in New England. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I will tell you, though, I miss Connecticut, and especially Cornwall, Connecticut, very, very much. It was such an amazing place. Wow. Okay, and we promised you a realistic 
chicken recipe. Now, it's not, this is a GIF, so I'll read it along as you go. This is uh, what's known as a realistic chicken recipe for, I don't know, like chicken, chicken and uh, dead chicken and old milk or something. But hang with me because it's not the GIF you're going to see. I wanted to start it from the beginning. So I got to punch it up. Okay, you ready? Here we go. This is how to make the uh, make a dish. We're doing recipes now on I'm not wearing pants. Here we go. Okay. You ready? Pan lotion. You start with pan lotion. Then you put vampire kryptonite and organic tear gas. <laughs> Italian water. Sprinkle a bit of that in there. Mix it all together. Uh, you got to see the visual for this. A tasty leaf. Let it chill. I don't know, like 10 minutes. Chicken little alternate ending. Make it chicken pancake. There you go. Then uh, some flavor crystals. Sprinkle those on top. Flavor ashes. Sprinkle those. Future generations. Beaten. <laughs> you have to see Hansel and Gretel GPS system. You got to see the visuals, folks. Go to rumble.com. Jay Sheldon, no pants. Hot bubble butter. There you go. Very nice. And into the Italian water. Sprinkle on some cow rice. <laughs> Melty milk pads. There you go. Burn in hell for eternity. And then pick it up, stick it on the, and there you go. Dead chicken with old milk. Very nice. <laughs> <sighs> if they called things what they really were, right? All right, I got one, I got one more. And... Uh, it's a quick one. It's from our friend um, Serena because she always manages to put something up that makes me giggle. And this certainly did that. After tonight's show, this is more, more true than ever. I've been to a lot of places, but I've never been in cahoots. Apparently, you can't go there alone. You have to be in cahoots with someone. I've also never been incognito either. I hear no one recognizes you there. I have, however, been in Sane. They don't have an airport. You have to be driven there. And I've made several trips. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you, Serena. <laughs> Serena Lee. One of the craziest friends I have and love you to death. Cool. <laughs> is it time? It is time, I think. It's time to move on and up and over to our book. Uh, let me, just before we get to that, uh, let you know that you can help support the show over on patreon.com slash Sheldon. There it is, scrolling across the screen right now. And you can sign up small amount of money to help donate to uh, keep the show afloat. And uh, also you can have access if you're at a second tier level on Patreon. Uh, 
to all of our books that we've done, all the classic books we get from the Gutenberg Project. We read them chapter at a time or a section at a time. And um, we go through them all till we get to the end. At the moment, we are doing The War of the Worlds, which is H.G. Uh, Wells' amazing classic book. The War of the Worlds, it was uh, very first serialized back in 1897, both in the UK and in the US in magazines. And the first novel of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds was first uh, published back in 1898. So what is that? 1998, it's well over 120 something years ago. Amazing. And it still holds up today, believe it or not. It's incredible. All right, so we will move on and move up and move into the war of the worlds. We are at chapter seven, how I reached home. For my own part, I remember nothing of my flight except the stress of blundering through the trees and stumbling through the heather. All about me gathered the invisible terrors of the Martians. That pitiless sword of heat seemed to whirl to and fro, flourishing overhead before it descended and smote me out of life. I came into the road between the crossroads and Horsel and ran along to this little crossroad. At last, I could go no further. I was exhausted with the violence of my emotion and of my flight, and I staggered and fell by the wayside that was near the bridge that crosses the canal by the gasworks. I fell and lay still. I must have remained there some time. I sat up, strangely perplexed. For a moment, perhaps, I could not clearly understand how I came there. My terror had fallen from me like a garment. My, my hat was gone. My collar had burst away from its fastener. A few minutes before, there had only been three real things before me. The immensity of the night and space and nature. My own feebleness and anguish and the near approach of death. Now, it was as if something turned over and the point of view altered abruptly. There was no sensible transition from one state of mind to the other. I was immediately the self of every day again and a decent, ordinary citizen. The silent common, the impulse of my flight, the starting flames, they were as if they'd been in a dream. I asked myself, had these latter things indeed even happened? I could not credit it. I rose and walked unsteadily up the steep incline of the bridge. My mind was blank wonder. My muscles and nerves seemed drained of their strength. I dare say I staggered drunkenly. A head rose over the arch and the figure of a workman carrying a bucket appeared. Beside him ran a little boy. He passed me, wishing me good night, and I was minded to speak to him, but did not. I answered his greeting with a meaningless mumble and went on over the bridge. Over the Mayberry Arch, a train, a billowing tumult of white, fire-lit smoke, 
and a long caterpillar of lighted windows went flying south. Clatter, clatter, clap, rap, and it was gone. A dim group of people talked in the gate of one of the houses in the pretty little row of gables that was called the Oriental Terrace. It was all so real, so familiar. And behind me, it was frantic, fantastic. Such things, I told myself, could not be. Perhaps I am a man of exceptional moods. I, I do not know how far my experience is common. At times, I suffer from the strangest sense of detachment from myself and the world about me. I seem to watch it all from the outside, from somewhere inconceivably remote, out of time, out of space, out of the stress and tragedy of it all. This feeling was very strong upon me that night. Here was another side to my dream. But the trouble was the blank incongruity of this serenity and the swift death flying yonder, not two miles away. There was a noise of business from the gas works and the electric lamps were all alight. I stopped at a group of people. What news from the commons, said I. There were two men and a woman at the gate. Eh, said one of the men, turning. What news from the common, I asked. Ain't you just been there, asked the men. People seem fairly silly about the common, said the woman over the gate. What's it all about? Haven't you heard of the men from Mars, said I? The creatures from Mars? <laughs> Quite enough. And the woman over the gate said, thanks, and all three of them laughed. I felt foolish and angry. I tried and found that I could not tell them what I'd seen. They laughed again at my broken sentences. You'll hear more yet, I said, and went on to my home. I startled my wife at the doorway, so haggard was I. I, I went into the dining room, sat down, drank some wine, and so soon as I could collect myself sufficiently, I told her of the things I had seen. The dinner, which was a cold one, had already been served and remained neglected on the table while I told my story. There is one thing, I said, to allay the fears I had aroused. They are the most sluggish things I ever saw crawl. They may keep the pit and kill people who come near them, but they cannot get out of it but the horror of them. Don't, dear, said my wife, knitting her eyebrows and putting her hand on mine. Poor Ogilvy, I said, to think he may be lying there dead. My wife, at least, did not find my experience incredible. When I saw how deadly white her face was, I ceased abruptly. They may come here, she said again and again. I pressed her to take wine and tried to reassure her. They can scarcely move, I said. I began to comfort her and myself by repeating all that Ogilvy had told me of the impossibility of Martians establishing themselves on the earth. 
In particular, I laid stress on the gravitational difficulties. On the surface of the Earth, the force of gravity is three times what it is on the surface of Mars. A Martian, therefore, would weigh three times more than on Mars, albeit his muscular strength would be the same. His own body would be a cope of lead to him. That, indeed, was the general opinion. Both the Times and the Daily Telegraph, for instance, insisted on it the next morning. Both overlooked, just as I did, to obvious modifying influences. The atmosphere of the Earth, we know now, contains far more oxygen and far less argon, whichever way one likes to put it, than, than does Mars. The invigorating influences of this excess of oxygen upon the Martians indisputably did much to counterbalance the increased weight of their bodies. And in the second place, we all overlooked the fact that such mechanical intelligence as the Martians possess was quite able to dispense with muscular exertion at a pinch. But I did not consider these points at the time, and so my reasoning was dead against the chances of the invaders. With wine and food and confidence of my own table and the necessity of reassuring my wife, I grew by insensible degrees courageous and secure. They've done a foolish thing, said I, fingering my wine glass. They, they're dangerous because no doubt they're mad with terror. Perhaps they expect to find no living things, certainly no intelligent living things. A shell in the pit, said I, of the worst comes to the worst, will kill them all. The intense excitement of the events had no doubt left my perceptive powers in a state of arethism. I remember that dinner table with extraordinary vividness, even now. My dear wife's sweet, anxious face peering at me from under the pink lampshade, the white cloth with its silver and glass table furniture, for in those days even philosophical writers had many little luxuries, the crimson-purple wine in my glass are photographically distinct. At the end of it, I sat, tempering nuts with a cigarette, regretting Ogilvy's rashness and denouncing the short-sighted timidity of the Martians. So some respectable dodo in the Martians might have lorded it in his nest and discussed the arrival of that ship full of pitiless sailors in want of animal food. We will peck them to death tomorrow, my dear. I did not know it, but that was to be the last civilized dinner I was to eat for many strange and terrible days. Wow, what a setup. Next time we'll move on to chapter 8, which is simply called Friday Night. Goodness me. <laughs> the War of the Worlds by H.G. 
All right, guys. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for joining us. We will see you again on Saturday night. Uh, thank you, Miko, for finally showing up to the stream tonight. Don't forget patreon.com slash jsheldon and rumble.com slash jsheldonnopants where you can watch our, uh, our video show and hopefully... Hey, Atif! <laughs> I am glad you just got here, but sadly, we are just going. So I told you, 10 o'clock, you're late. <laughs> nah, it's great to have you along. Thanks for the subscribe. I really appreciate it. So yes, if you are listening to the podcast, go to rumble.com slash jsheldonnopants. You'll find all of our videos there. Sign up. It's all free, no cost, free accounts. Cool cool space, too. That uh, page has got some incredible videos on it. And hopefully we'll get to be live there as soon as RHB gets off its ass and decides they want to talk to me. We'll see. I will see you again Saturday night. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Atif, for joining. As late as you were, I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night. Thank <laughs> you.